Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Hey, listeners, this is Al Martin, your host. Welcome back to Making Data Simple. Uh, this is the podcast with the most. I don't know what that means, but uh, we'll try to earn it today. <laughs> I, um, as always, I'm going to say it again. If you, you know, have any comments, questions, any guests that you'd, you'd like to attend the podcast, please reach out to us at almartintalksdata at gmail.com. We will, uh, we will get back to you. Uh, this podcast continues to grow, and I think it's because of all the great guests that we have on. It's certainly not me. And again, speaking of terrific guests, I have Jad. Chalawi on. He's the founder and CEO of Telos Touch. We're going to go into this, but I'm, I'm going to give you a, a background that usually I don't read somebody's background like this, but I think it's 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 it serves a purpose in terms of like you know setting setting the tone here. Um, let me. I'll just go ahead and start. After building a high growth wealth management firm with top performing advisors, Jad identified a breakdown at the center of the advisor-client relationship. Advisors glide, guide their clients through meetings, but can't see what, what that's happening to their clients the rest of the year. He realized that the industry needed to bring advisors and clients closer together to make better decisions and easily act on them. In 2017, Jad founded Telos Touch, a platform that enables advisors to serve their clients beyond in-person meetings and at scale. Telos Touch uncovers clients' needs in real time, then identifies segments that will benefit from the same service. This includes insights and advisors can easily serve those groups while communicating the difference their advice makes. Uh, He's got a bunch of credentials. He's smarter than me. We already know that. Harvard Business School, McGill University, and a passion for understanding human behavior and, and inspiring better actions. So, like you already make me feel bad, Jad. But here's the, the reason I brought Jad on is um, we've been working with Jad IBM in and in incubating some new technologies that I just you know just described. And Jad and I were at like I don't know like an event where we were celebrating some of the successes that we've had with our incubation projects. Jad and Telus Just is certainly one of them. And we got in the hallway and we started, I don't know what it is, debating, discussing wealth management and the future of wealth management. And I act like I'm an expert. I'm not really, but I do have very direct opinions. And he went toe to toe with me. And like I was before we just jumped on, I apologized to him because I wish I'd have prepared a ton more because I feel like he's going to beat me in the debates today, but we're going to see how it works. Welcome, Jad, to the podcast. Sorry, that was a long lead in, but I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much, Al, for having me. I think uh, at the very least we were debating. We could even say we were challenging each other to think outside of the box of uh, about traditional problems. And I'm looking forward to having this conversation. I don't know if I'm going to have the upper hand based on your performance <laughs> last time. But that said, let's have some fun together today. No, oh, well, I appreciate that. I, I don't feel like I'm on my game today, but we'll, we'll make it work out. So you have a history spanning something like 15 years in wealth management, uh, maybe, maybe longer than that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it, where you started and how you got here? 
So uh, I actually started, uh, uh, while I built a traditional wealth management firm, uh, we uh, were developing top performing advisors, as you said in the intro, uh, to serve clients. And somewhere in the middle, I had an existential crisis, actually two existential crises together, which I'm going to be sharing with you. The first one was the fact that uh, as much as I had my best intentions, my best intentions to serve my clients in meetings, as soon as they left, things were happening that I could not expect or that I could not control or that I could not predict. So there was a disconnect between what people were saying when they were meeting with me and what they were doing in real life. So I felt in a way my hands were tied uh, in order to actually serve them and give them the best advice possible because I didn't have visibility of what was happening outside of these closed offices. The second existential crisis was the fact that the value that I created when I impacted people to behave differently with their money, uh, to make decisions that have a transformative impact on their lives, did not appear on statements. Statements are great showing you returns and fees, but that's not where an impactful advisor only needs to focus. You need to look at other things pertaining to, are we following through on a financial plan? Are we putting in the right insurance coverage in place? Are we looking at the right tax planning strategies? All the things that go beyond just investments are not really reported with ease for clients. So I decided to do something about it and launch Telos Touch. Wow. What, was there, what would you say is the pivotal moment that put you here that said, I've got to do this, this is my calling? I actually uh, started understanding the influence that people have on each other. And uh, as much as we see a lot of business models that are trying to remove the human from the relationship, I think uh, we should be going in a completely different direction and uh, have a better way where professionals can serve the people that uh, uh, hire them. And this requires a completely different engagement model. All the old way of doing things, honestly, uh, Al, are no longer working. Think about it for a second. Phone calls, emails, and in-person meetings have a lot of challenges, which I'll discuss with you. Number one, how often right now, Al, do you answer your phone compared to 15 years ago? <laughs> much less, but, uh, much less. I text less. I'm, I'm not in a, I'm not even going to get into uh, if you check your voicemails, if someone leaves you a voicemail. It's a whole <laughs> different subject. And emails, how many emails you get per day, as well as in-person meetings. Uh, today, the people that we generally care about, it's a challenge to go find the time and spend time with them because uh, we have less and less of time based on the business of life. So if you really look at these traditional ways of interacting, they're not the optimal way to serve someone. And I felt there should be a better way. And uh, my passion about behavior, technology, AI, and wealth made me feel that I could uh, be the person that would find that way. All right. So let's get into it a little bit. I, I applaud the fact that you're looking, at least in my mind, and you correct me if anything I say is wrong, but reinventing the idea of the traditional uh, advisor because this is where our, our debate started last time. And look, I, I'm always an outlier, so I'm a fool anyway, but I struggle with advisors. I just don't know what value I get out of them. And in fact, I'll just be open front, transparent. I don't have one today because look, either A, they charge up to, depends on where you're at, how much assets under management, but They'll charge up to 1%, whether the market goes up or goes down. That's the first flaw. So in other words, if the market goes down 15% and they they 
your portfolio only goes down 12, they go, ah, you, you should be loving me now. And I'm like, I lost 12%. You know, so that's number one. Secondly, is they all abide by, you know, it's efficient market theory, which, you know, if anybody out there listening doesn't know, it's essentially the market is efficient at any given time. And I also struggle, struggle with that because I look at the market as it stands today. I, you know, I can do a cash flow analysis and, you know, right now it's, it's so inflated. I can't, I can't equate a lot of the, the stock prices with, you know, earnings, et cetera. It's just too, too inflated. And that also doesn't explain efficient market theory. doesn't explain the motion in the market with all these institutional investors that are trying to just drive, you know, they're actually quarter by quarter driven versus long-term driven because they got to produce results or people get rid of them because they're just judged at the end of the day, not really how well you do, but assets under management. So as long as they increase assets under management, they're good, even if you lose money. So, I mean, I guess if you do better, obviously, you're going to put more assets under management. But the two things I struggle with right up front is just the overall advisor model. And the second thing is this efficient market theory. And the only way you can get out of that, you can go to hedge fund where the government says you got to have like a million in net worth to do or whatever the case may be, um, which is a good option if, if you if you have uh, that kind of money. And then, But then you could end up in a Bernie Madoff situation. So back up. Mm-hmm. Help me out and help me with your where your model is helping take taking on these challenges to one, this you know that the charges that we're having to that you know like one percent no matter up down and secondly help me a little bit with efficient market theory. So what if I tell you that none of the things that you just mentioned could ever work, and the model is flawed by default that you just described? I would say I agree with you. I think it's a coup. I think it's. It's it's they're doing it because they can get away with it. So, so then the question is, like, I'm not here to judge what other people do, but I'm actually here to share with you what I think uh, the future of advice is becoming and how you can cre- create tremendous value in people's lives. So I'm actually going to strip down everything that you shared with me, Al, in different buckets in order to give you a bit more clarity about uh, uh, the different uh, points you've, you've raised, as well as where in this current in these current circumstances uh, can uh, the advisor of the future go so so let's start talking about one thing number one let's face it no one really beats the market on on the long run uh, very few people less than 10 percent do that and it's very hard to find them because this less than 10 percent change on every 10 year time period we're saying less than 10 percent on the long time period just because markets are getting more efficient and it's harder to go and find opportunities. And obviously, you know very well that the more technology advances, the more we find efficiencies in the market, the harder it will be to actually beat the market. You can think ETFs, you can think uh, these high frequency trading platform, all the things that are happening out there are actually making it hard for money managers to beat the market. But that being said, that doesn't mean there's, not, there's no value to be created. But the question is, it's where can we create that value? The value is, Al, focusing not on trying to make the money work better in the market. It's actually trying to make the client behave better with the money that they have in order to create more wealth. And this is where the value is. Are you saving enough? Are you reacting at the wrong moment? 
are you procrastinating and avoiding to put your will in place or buy the right insurance policy? Are you filing your taxes too late and therefore missing on opportunities to bring value to yourself and to your loved ones? So these questions, when you start looking at it, you start seeing that there's a whole different approach that uh, advisors could be taking. And I like to describe it in one sentence. The advisor of the future is an objective set of eyes on a subjective situation. And at this point in time, when you start thinking this way, Al, and you start looking that someone that's looking at the way you behave from outside can serve you, you start raising a fundamental question. What would this person need? And this is where data becomes essential. How can we give advisors the right information to serve their clients better, especially in a world where advice, if you look in the past, uh, 20 years ago, your advisor used to tell you, listen, I have information that you don't have and you hire me to give you to remove this information as symmetry and then give you the right recommendation. The Internet came. Everyone has the same information. Then the institution started creating different products. I have this amazing product that you should be buying that will serve your needs. Initially, it worked, but then eventually clients got smarter. They got empowered. They know how to make better product decisions. So the question is, after advisors were selling information to selling products, what should they be selling in the future? My opinion is they should be recommending you the right financial trade-off. When you have the decisions to make between saving or spending, between putting your money on the house or in an investment account, between a registered account and a non-registered account, all these questions have competing objectives and there's trade-offs. And the only way to help clients do the, the right trade-off, it's by actually having better information and better data on how this client behaves in order to help them. Does that make sense? It makes sense. So your case is that wealth management, I'll butcher this, but wealth management, it really is somebody to help you out with opportunity costs and other either or decision points within your investment and life decisions. But it's really just that it's life management, not just whether you're going to be in equities and market, but, you know, maybe whether you need a trust fund where you need insurance. I mean, they're looking at the you know, the end to end, your whole, your, your entire personal situation. 100% Al, because when you think about it, uh, uh, in one way, we are complex beings because we all have competing objectives. We want the cake and we want to eat it at the same time. But in reality, if you look at the aggregate of humanity in general, you start seeing patterns, you start seeing trends. Why is every person having to discover their own lesson learned on their own rather than actually letting someone that they trust that have seen many of the similar behavior guide you in a better way to increase the chances of you making the right decision? And this by itself is very valuable, irrespective of AI and data advancement. This is the role of the professional of the future. And I think it can only be enhanced with AI and the right data set. All right, I'm going to get back to that. I got you. But if I take a step back, um, and again, uh, if I had done proper prep work, I could have articulated this better. But when we started on this endeavor, you know, and brokers would make a ton of money, you know, just uh, trading stocks, you know, way back when, let's say 50s, 60s or whatever. Then... Then Charles Schwab comes along. Even until the 80s, check all the movies 
that uh, the the 80s movies uh, Wall Street Boiler yeah. Room so it came really into the 80s <laughs> yeah but but it did it started changing i think in the 80s right when charles schwab came out i don't know yeah. i i don't know what year that was in the 70s but like 77 yeah. they started using these newfangled things called computers where they could you know reduce the cost of trade so the bottom kind of dropped out in the brokerage costs. And then they say, well, we got to do something. And then they start, well, hey, I got an idea as mutual funds. Yeah. So those get kicked up and they say, and then they, I don't know what it's, whatever the fee is called, where they get a percentage of the fee in the background that many people uh, unfortunately don't pay attention to, which is huge, can can tear at your, uh, your, your earnings. And then, you know, so that's gone all the way through, all, you know, Till now, but it, you know, around 2000, then they started ETFs. People were getting smarter. We're going to go do some ETFs. You know, we're still at that. You know, advisors charging one percent. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know when this is going to happen, but I think, and you're on the good for you. You're on the early um, onslaught of this. Is is really the value has got to be in my mind is an entire life management system that these advisors come in with with your entire financial health. I want to talk about what you just raised, Al, because I know it's not necessarily within the spectrum of uh, making data simple, but I think it's a relevant uh, uh, conversation to have. Uh, when you re- when you really think about it, the the products and the proposals were uh, the actual evolution of technology that created efficiencies in the way you were building things, and consumers that were getting smarter. And uh, whatever you told them they should be buying in the past no longer works because they're getting more and more educated. So it's a it's a mix of consumer expectation and experience evolving and technology meeting this new expectation. But the real question that we need to actually look at is, is that enough or we should be focusing on the right problem? And let me explain myself. If today, and give you numbers, Al, because I think that's going to be a, a very easy way to describe uh, the potential. Today, let's use the number that uh, uh, you gave us, which is 1% in management fees. Let's use that because that's going to make things easy. And let's say that today, uh, uh, at best, the the, the, uh, advisors on the long term are going to match the market. And and I'm being here uh, kind of uh, 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 complimenting their (laughs) forwards. We're going to match. So by the time all of this, uh, all, uh, all, all is said and done, let's say markets did 10, you paid 1%, you're going to end up doing 9 rather than doing 10. So in reality, it's uh, the 1% is very expensive if it's a guaranteed loss of 1 on the market. Now, there's a lot of things that are to be said, managing risk, managing the journey, making sure the ups and downs are, are not uncomfortable. All these things are extremely valid, and this should be the role of the advisor, how to manage the journey from point A to point B, and not only a rate of return. So if we are only looking at the rate of return by itself, the 1% is not that great because uh, 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 it is an expensive fee for a rate of return. But if we look, first of all, at the things that come, protecting you from yourself, from selling when the actual uh, markets are dropping, then it becomes interesting to say that there's something additional, which is a service that you give me that increases my chances of succeeding. Then the 1% starts becoming interesting. But that's not enough. We have to go a bit deeper. And there's a lot of research that's out there that say that today the behaviors that are being 
influence can create up to two to three percent extra. Morningstar have done some of this research. Two to three percent extra on the overall asset base just because I helped you save more. I made sure you didn't react when the market corrected. I made sure that you actually bought the right insurance product. So if today I'm paying one for a guaranteed two or three, it's cheap. If I'm paying one for a guaranteed minus one, it's very expensive. So this is also the focus question that we need to be thinking about and where are advisors focusing their value prop? Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense, but I'm sitting here listening. Um, so I got you on the guaranteed, you know, like in an insurance situation that you're talking about there. Um, but if you're like, if you're at 3%, the market on average, what's going to give you six, 7% over the course of, you know, 30, 50 years or the course of the entire market, isn't it like yeah. somewhere around 7%? Yes. Six. So, six. so you're paying 1% to get three or 4% underneath the market in that case. So no no so 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 no no if you're meeting the market on the long run, plus yeah. uh, so uh, plus you're getting two three percent extra due to the right behavior oh, habits okay. on that. You're that, saying on top of that? For sure, I'll take that deal. That's the whole point. <laughs> so so basically, uh, let me let me share with you something that uh, uh, I actually think is going to be relevant. That's going to that that's going to actually uh, express how does that work. I don't want to get too technical, but I'm going to share with you two very uh, uh, simple concepts that actually are going to help a lot. Today, okay. what the market does is, let's say, let's call it the beta of the market, is what you would be doing if you're just exposed to the market. It's called beta. Now, if a person comes and makes decisions on your assets, that's what we call alpha. Alpha are the things that your money manager does to create value over and above than the, mar than the market. I'm not going to get if alpha is positive or negative, but I think we spoke enough about that. So I'm not going to be beating that uh, dead horse. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the purpose of the conversation. But I want to introduce a new concept. It's called gamma. And gamma are what are the things that your advisor influences in order for you to create more wealth? And these things is where you can get an extra two, 3%. But to do that, you need a different way to serve the relationship, to get access to client information, and to be able to act on this newfound visibility. So it's shifting the role of the advisor to increase these behavioral insights that are needed in order to better serve clients, to create gamma. But, all right. I always got a butt, right? So you got to. This is good. We're good. And by the way, <laughs> for the listeners, I'll finish up with some technology in what uh, Jad is doing differently that 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 helps out here. But here, here's the when we just got through talking, you said um, that it used to be, which I totally agree, used to be that you know there was um, you know you, brokers had more information than other people. Now with the internet. Uh, everybody really has the same real-time information. So in the scenario you just described, what information will that advisor have that I don't have? By the way, you just uh, are opening up uh, a very big rabbit hole. I don't know if you just, <laughs> you know what you're doing, but you're opening a very big rabbit hole that I'm very passionate about, but, uh, and I'm going to jump in it. So, so not too far, but enough. 
uh, 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 the L, there's a big difference between what people say they're going to do, what they end up doing, and what they should be doing. Three completely different realms. And in reality, uh, you can come and sit down in a meeting and tell your advisor, listen, my tolerance to risk is very high. I'm an aggressive investor. And then <laughs> as soon as the market sneezes, you're the first email coming in. Isn't there value to bridge the gap here? And isn't there value to really see what the peers that have similar behavioral profiles are doing to actually increase the assets that they have? I'll give you another example. I could sit down with you and tell you, Al, you know what? Uh, you have a great family. You need to put the will in place. And you tell me, Jad, it makes perfect sense. I've never had a will. I'm going to go out and do it today. 50% of people still don't have a will. If everyone comes to this conclusion and they don't act on it. So where is this gap? What's happening between when someone tells you they're going to do something and when the real life happens? And this is where... Uh, the advisor of uh, the future can help. And by the way, you need to start capturing this data. And that's where new digital experiences uh, can start uh, enabling advisors to interact in a completely different way, capturing the digital footprint that requires them to serve them better. And then it's converting that these insights into actionable advice that the client can track and therefore increase their confidence through this feedback loop in knowing why they're working with this advisor, the difference they made, and what behaviors they should keep on doing. All right, all right. Uh, yes, I love this. I love the rabbit hole too, by the way. All right, so, but here's, here's what I heard. What you just said is, look, people say one thing and do another. Uh, and you reiterated in my mind that the market and people's behavior is more emotional than it is logical in many cases, particularly when you like that. That's why they make that phone call after they say, hey, I want to be an aggressive uh, uh, portfolio. And then they find it going down. They say, I can't take it. I'm out because they get emotional. And, and what you're saying is there is a bridge in value of somebody that can add the objectivity to bridge that gap. But if so, you've proven my point that the market's emotional. And, you know, there may be elements of efficient market theory, but I still say that it's it's kind of a facade. It's an emotional market theory. It's not really, uh, uh, even though the whole market is very efficient, we have to ask ourselves, it's not the whole market that matters. It's the retail investor who's working with the advisor. We're not talking about these huge hedge funds that are uh, uh, making these big decisions with processes. We're talking about uh, the, the family uh, that has a few hundred thousand or a few million dollars saved that are trying to actually uh, build uh, the lifestyle they want and the legacy that they want. So there are not investment professionals. I, I want to actually give you uh, an example of... Uh, 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 I'm going to give you two versions of a story. And uh, version of the story number one, by the way, in both cases, the market has just corrected, okay? And uh, dropped by 50%. So we are looking at the scenario where market has corrected. Case number one, you have a client that came and told you, I'm an aggressive investor. You do the standard self-reported questionnaires and uh, you speak with the client. And then you say, oh, great. After you answer these 20 questions, I know your risk tolerance is that. And uh, you put them in an aggressive portfolio, and then the market corrects. Case number two, 
you actually have this conversation, but then you decide that your role is to go deeper and see what is the client doing. So you start communicating more. You start giving them scenarios. You create a much more intimate relationship. What do you think will happen at the end where I just listened to the question and I acted versus I developed a much more intimate relationship and I got to know you better than you know yourself because I believe my role was to actually bridge the gap between what you think you are doing and what you should be doing. And this creates a whole different relationship. And this is the type of uh, new paradigm that will make advisors much more essential because now the world that we're living in is changing much faster, much faster than our biology. And we're going to need domain experts that can help us navigate these trade-offs in a much better way. So this is the thinking. And by the way, that's one scenario. Look at now uh, uh, many of these happening on a 10-year relationship where the advisor are interacting with you and getting more and more understanding of who you are, getting to know you deeply. And then from the history of all these decisions, they're helping you navigate the next trade-off. So it's simply moving away from thinking, I ask you a few questions and then I put you in a cookie cutter solution to I go deeply into understanding and navigating these key life moments with you, getting to understand you, sometimes having the tough conversations that need to happen in order to empower better decisions in the future. I like it. I like it. You you have me. And and again, I'll go back to where you started with this this thread is that um and I'm the same way. I'm 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 being totally honest here where my in, what's the what's the saying is the world is is littered with good intentions with I don't remember what the saying. Yeah. But the point is is I have good intentions but they don't always get carried out. I get busy or whatever the case may be. Whatever excuse I have and everybody gets emotional particularly when they're dealing with their wealth management. But Here's what I often have. So what's different here, though? What, what do you have that's different here? Because here's the way I look at it. Yep. You've got, I've got all this information at my fingertips. Didn't used to be that way. So that differentiator has been taken out. Most of the advisors today, you'll come in and, and they'll talk, big talk, and you get excited. And then they say, all right, we're going to diversify. So once you go into the diversification and typically they want mutual funds for obvious reasons, which by the way, at least the last statistic I had, only 4% of mutual funds beat the market on average. In fact, Buffett just bet somebody a 10-year thing that his mutual fund wouldn't beat the, the index, yeah. and Buffett won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, I agree with you on that. I think you said that earlier. Yeah. But then advisors will come in and say, hey, we got to diversify your for, uh, portfolio because they believe in efficient market theory. So everything, you know, they're pushing everything out. And so ultimately that diversification leads you at best to just market results anyway. So why am I not better off just putting all my investments in an index fund, as Buffett would say, and calling it good versus taking the path that you're suggesting? What's the differentiator? What, what, what metrics, analytics do you have that add the, the icing on the cake? So I'm going to share with you one thing first that I'm going to agree that the, the, the investment, uh, uh, pro investment products are becoming a commodity. So there's nothing there as time is going to be passing to create real transformative value. So investments are becoming a commodity, full stop. We don't need to keep on going on this. I'm fully agreeing on that. So 
This is just to give you the. I won one. Did I win? Did I win? Or is that a truth? I think one, it's a truth. No, this is one the, the one that I give you because it's the <laughs> most more most more important one to discuss. So, oh boy, this is the one where is uh, it's a given, by the way, and it's actually the thesis of a lot of the work that we do. But in reality, the but 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 Jed, I uh, so I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. but you say that. But I got friends and stuff that continue to, to buy into the rhetoric, buy mutual funds and stuff. And I'm going, guys, why are you doing that? You know that. And maybe it goes back to your original statement that people don't do what they they think they should better because they agree with me and they don't debate with me, except they still just give it to their advisor that's charging them 1% and they throw it into mutual funds and it's just crazy. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. Forget about for a second uh, what they're doing in terms of the craziness on, on the investment side. Why do you think human beings behave this way? Let's take a step higher and ask ourselves, why do they stay with their advisor? And what are they looking for in this relationship? What are you, what are, what's your perspective on that? I think you hit on it earlier and you probably answered that question is they're looking for somebody that they can trust, somebody they don't want to mess with it. I mean, they got enough to do in their life and they feel like, hey, it's very complex, even though I don't think it's as difficult to learn as some may say. But they trust somebody. They become it, it's a relationship-based business, and they'd rather trust that relationship and let them take it. Uh, I fully agree with what you said, and, and and I'll bring the formula to two equations. Number one, time. You don't have time, and number two, you don't want to be doing mistakes and regret the feeling of the decision that you've made. <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point. You want to actually spend your time living life. And you don't want this like whole uh, buyer's remorse every time you make a decision, you're second guessing because there's a lot on the line. So if we start understanding that the reason that someone uh, really uh, uh, gets advice is for that guidance and for a better quality of life, the big questions becomes what should advisors be guiding their clients to do? Where should they be focusing their attention? What is the sure way that they can create an impact on people's lives? And uh, as I said, we're not going to be talking about the market because that's definitely a sure way of not creating impact. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Very, very good. Very good. Um, where can, I mean, is there any place folks can either find you? Or, I mean, I guess it's the financial advisors. We, uh, hopefully we got financial advisors that listen as well. They can try out your tool. I mean, where can they go to find you? So uh, the best way is to go to the website. Obviously, telostouch.com gives you some general information. There's different ways to interact with our company. And uh, it could be as simple as following me on LinkedIn or uh, following uh, the core company page, Telostouch. And uh, obviously, we're always open to have great conversations with advisors and institutions that want to change the way they bring value to their clients. So thank you for giving me the chance uh, to discuss what we're building and uh, how it can have impact to the, in the industry, to advisors, and ultimately to the client, which in my opinion is the most important element of the whole ecosystem. No, I think it's you know very good. I got a ton of information today. Um, yeah, I ho hope the, the listeners did too. I, I certainly presume that they will. Uh, look, I, I, again, I think you've got a compelling use case around financial life management and the tooling that inter, in, that uh, integrates the client and the financial advisor. Because I think as we move forward one way or another, I think we've agreed that there needs to be more value in that 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 value chain. And I think you know, tooling, the, the, the ability to use analytics and data to see trends that you can't find will certainly help make decisions. 
and help advisors uh, do do a better job, particularly if they're handling, you know, a number of of, of clients. Um, you know, it's not a one on one thing. You know, a lot of clients. I mean, some of them handle 150 people. Minimum, uh, by the way, Al. Minimum. Yeah. 150 people means 75 family. But in reality, they handle if they're couples or, or a bit more. So, so right. that, that that's a, that, there's sometimes 300 people. And by the way, yeah. I want to share with you, like, uh, uh, as a conclusion to today's discussion, a few things that I think are very relevant because you touch on all of them. Number one, let them fight the right battle and the market isn't the right battle. Number two, they need something more than just a CRM. A CRM is great, but isn't it time for financial services to have a different way to engage with their clients that go beyond what was created when the email got created and uh, CRMs uh, became more mainstream? And number three, how can we use data to create value into new places and to create a completely different engagement model and a different value prop. So this is food for thoughts. You touch on all of that. I really appreciate how you guided the whole conversation, but these are things that I think uh, people should be considering coming into 2020. I think it's good. So let me see if I can summarize here. Financial life management. You've got to look at uh, the, the the tool from, from Telus Touch. Um, Let's see what you said. You, it's more than the market. It's more than a CRM. It's finding data in new places, making better decisions. It's helping these advisors focus on value where they could win, show impact. And you said insurance coverage. Uh, did I get all that right? Uh, any type of wealth strategy. And by the way, yes, you got that 100% right. But it's beyond just insurance coverage. Any type of wealth strategy that can help your client Someone needs to feel responsible to actually bring that to the attention of the client they serve. So we need to go beyond the market and any type of behavioral gap that can be bridged to protect people and their loved one and their assets. Someone needs to feel responsible uh, to actually bridge that gap. So the advisors need to understand that they are the stewards and the fiduciaries of clients and they need to curate the right strategy and help them act on it because they get to know them in a very intimate way. So I think you summarized everything we've said in a great, great way. I hope that adding this element of curation uh, adds an additional layer. Any other questions, Al, that you have uh, for me? Well, I mean, it, it is can you gave your website. Is that where somebody can try out this tool if they're a financial advisor and want to want to give it a go? So if they're a financial advisor, they could uh, give us a call and someone from my team will give them a demo. And uh, usually it's the institution that they work for that will end up buying our technology. So if they can, uh, uh, if they like what they see and they put a good word uh, to their executive team, we'll be more than happy uh, to implement. We just uh, started expanding in the U.S. I was uh, last week... Uh, in Boston, speaking with two of the largest U.S. institutions. So, and I'm going to go be back next uh, month uh, to Silicon Valley, meeting more institutions. So we've been very active uh, getting into the U.S. Uh, ecosystem, and we've been received really well. So uh, at this point in time, our clients are in Canada and in the U.S., uh, and we're looking forward to expand globally. So, so one of my things was when I was going to end here, by the way, I got to do one more thing after I give you this comment is I, I first I was going to say, look, so if there's any advisors out there daring enough to take me on, <laughs> I'm in the market. But I was going to ask you, Jed, is 
if you give me an offline recommendation, I'd like to be a beta and, or, or take a look at your tool and work with a financial advisor and see see how this works for me. I, I'd be game to give it a go. I mean, it sounds like great a great tool. I'm going to tell you something. I'm scared of you as a client. <laughs> Any advisor that uh, has listened to this podcast, if you see Al, run away. Fast. <laughs> but oh man just, see this is the problem i have man <laughs> jokes, jokes aside uh, uh 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 i'll be more than happy as we're rolling out uh, and as i'm meeting more advisors in the u.s when i find someone that i feel uh, could be the right fit based on what you're looking for to make an introduction because you know it's always a jurisdiction and they need to be licensed in uh uh, uh the state that you're in but that but, but that said uh, definitely keeping my eyes open and looking forward to seeing more of you when I'm coming more to the U.S. All right. All right. Hey, we'll partner. Look, I'm, I'm an advocate. I know what you're doing. I gave you a lot of hard questions and you handle them as I knew extremely well. Hey, I got to give you one. We got to play one. Little, I, we're already over, but I want to play one quick game with you. Be It'd be very quick. And it's called uh, Would You Rather This or That? Just to get to know Jad a little bit more, okay. you you game. I mean, in other words, I'll give you two things. You got to pick one, and you you, you got to fall on one side of the fence. You can't you can't you know you can't sit in the middle. And by the way, when I pick one, I tell you why, or I just pick. You you can give you you can tell me why. Just give me a bullet why you think that's the case, because I'll probably ask why if you don't. Okay. All right. First one is Harvard or McGill. Uh, you want to create trouble, huh? <laughs> of course, that's what I do. Haven't you noticed? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, I'll say Harvard, but not for the reasons that you think. Both are amazing universities, but I went to Harvard when I was uh, 36 years old. And I went to McGill when I was 18 years old. So my capacity to absorb the experience, transform myself and learn was completely different. And at 18, my levels of alcohol were much higher. So my, <laughs> my ability to intake the learnings was much lower. So Harvard, just because it really transformed me at the right time, and it was great learnings. And obviously, it's an amazing school, too. All right. Very good. You handled that well. Data analytics or wealth management? You're getting a pause here. <laughs> I'll say data analytics and uh, because it's a much wider uh, 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 spectrum, number one, and it has a much more interesting application in the future. Wealth management is a subset of what we can do in data analytics, but uh, I feel that uh, 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 data analytics is a much wider, interesting, and uh, 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 something that uh, everyone should be looking forward to as well as understand. Very good. See, you're, you're good at this. Stock or index? Both here. I, okay, I have, you may have to choose. I have to play by the rules of the game. I, yeah. But, but, but uh, I'm going to answer you, but then I'm going to tell you both are new. Well-built portfolio. I'll say, That's I'll say index uh, because most people uh, uh, are better off not picking their stocks and have better chances of success with the index. But that said, a well-built portfolio needs a bit of active, a bit of passive, and a few stocks that uh, 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 are 
positions that you really genuinely believe in? Good answer. If I let me let me ask it a different way, a mutual fund or index, still same answer, or you change it? No, still same answer, but for different reasons. What's the different reason? Yeah, so so uh, stock because people are not great uh, uh, picking stocks. Uh, mutual funds because the fees associated with the funds are decreasing the chance of success, and people are not great. So there's an additional layer in choosing stocks. So you're my man. I I I would answer the same. All right, startup or corporate? Hundred percent startup. I'm going <laughs> to add that sells to good corporate, not bad corporate, because you have both out there. But startup. Uh, the thing is, I like about corporate is we get to work up with startups like you. So I kind of get the best, best of both worlds. I mean, we cannot agree on all the questions. There's somewhere where we have to create a bit of creative tension, like we've right. seen today. All right. When you're working out, podcasts or music? Music. Music. Where do you learn, man? This is not a difference. I think we're done. I just want to ask you, where do you go? Where do you learn? Where do you get all your your insights, your genius? Uh, first of all, thank you very much. There's no, there's no genius here. There's just uh, passion and commitment uh, to a vision. But I want to share with you something, Al. Uh, because I already have a very active mind that constantly wants to learn, uh, when I work out, I need to stop it from working. And I need rituals just to disconnect my mind. And uh, that's why where music uh, comes in uh, really nicely. And I prefer having times where I activate my mind and I learn and time where I just do the opposite to be able to rest and come back with a fresh perspective. Fantastic. Look, I got to say that you are a terrific guest. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. And uh, like, I, I think I, I like it. I mean, you're so positive and, and uh, you know, I just felt it, it is very fluid in terms of us just having a, a, a conversation like we would at the bar. That's what this is really really about and uh you've lived up to every every expectation that i've had thank you so thank much thank you so much for your time al i really appreciate uh, the time and and the very kind words at the end and i agree it felt very natural now the next one should really be in a bar <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you on that i'll maybe hold you to it i do want to maintain touch outside of this this podcast for a lot of different reasons including uh i want to see um you know i want to find that a financial advisor i think you're going to help me do that uh, for the listeners, hey, you know where to go. Tell us touch dot com. Jad knows what he's doing, as you can as you can uh, keenly tell. Uh, and as always, if you have any feedback, comments, concerns, questions for Jad that we can forward to him, or just hit me on Al Martin Talks Data Gmail dot com. Thank you so so much for listening, Jad. I'll give you the last word. Uh, I want to actually uh, thank you for your time. First of all, as I said, and I want to leave everyone with one idea. Technology is uh, really turning a lot of things into a commodity like investments. We need to make sure that uh, relationships never become a commodity. And in order to do that, we need to figure out better ways for professionals to work with their clients because the beauty of the world that we're creating is uh, the opportunities that uh, humans are going to be able to unveil as they start rethinking the way we interact with each other. And uh, it's conversations like this one and people that are trying to use uh, the advancements in a way to improve the society that we live in that uh, become more and more important. So thank you very much. Thank you, man. You are the man. Jad is the man. Thank you for being here today. Guys, listen to this guy. Uh, get to his website. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you guys next time.
Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, let's go over and out. Oh.